0: As Alaikum. You're listening to exclusive content brought to you by Seeker's Guidance. We are committed to make reliable Islamic knowledge accessible and free of charge. Help us in our mission by making a small donation at seekersguidance.org/slash donate. Even $10 a month can go a long way. Alhamdulillahi <laughs> Rabbil Alameen. Wa ala anbiyai wal wa ala alihi wa ashabihi سبحانك لا علم لنا إلا ما علمتنا إنك أنت العليم الحكيم اللهم علمنا ما ينفعنا بما وزدنا من فضلك علما وتعليما إنك على كل قدير أما بعد السلام my name is Abdullah Misra and I want to welcome each and every one of you to the Sirah course here at Seekers Guidance before we get into the course I wanted to point out that. In the past, in the Muslim world, the seerah was something that was well known. It was a part of the tradition, no matter which culture or country a Muslim lived in, in the Muslim world. It was something that a Muslim male or female grew up hearing, whether it was on the, the date of the, the hijrah or if it was the night of Isra wal Mi'raj or in Ramadan. Um, on Laylatul Qadr or uh, on the Mawlid the night of the Mawlid, al Sharif uh, the Seerah was something that was constantly being told in the Masajid, in private gatherings in school it was it was being taught, it was being promoted there were books written on the Seerah many books, many poems uh, songs as well, and Qasa'id and so it was something that was well known and in later times as Islamic learning grew weaker in the Muslim world and perhaps in, particularly in the West as Islamic learning opportunities had to be prioritized to basic fiqh at times uh, and just trying to establish prayer or reading the Quran, we haven't had as much time to reflect on the Sirah, which is the prophetic biography uh, of the Messenger of Allah ﷺ. And so in this course, in terms of how we're going to go about it, the, the the point is not to study the seerah as an academic undertaking. The point is not to get every single detail uh, about every single last you know aspect of every event that happened in the life of the Prophet sallallahu Our goal in the sira is to understand key events that happened in the life of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi it's to build a timeline in our minds through which we can peg other and later events that we learn about or let's say we hear a hadith you know down the road or an ayah of quran or there's an incident you know that we read about or learn about once we have built a timeline a basic timeline in our minds as to what events happened where and the sequence and order ordering of those events it's very easy to you know, almost like put flesh on the skeleton and dress uh, an outline uh, and accommodate any new things that we learn. So the first thing that that we have to do is get an outline, a basic backbone, a timeline. Another goal in this course is to understand the development of Islam, the way it started uh, in its current message to, to this last ummah, the way that the dawah to Islam gradually grew and developed the way that the Muslims had to struggle to practice their faith freely uh, and finally the way it it grew and became you know and, and became well known and spread across the Arabian Peninsula and uh, eventually to be spread to other countries as well and the way that the Prophet peace be upon him conducted himself in many different situations, across many different circumstances, and in many different stages of his life uh, with people of different characteristics and uh, mentalities and different groups. As well, uh, a study of the seerah, for us, it will give us a context in which to understand key rulings that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed to mankind and enjoined on us, like the command to pray, for example. When was that revealed? When? What was the context? What What, what was happening before that? Um, you know, why was the first prayer prayed in the way that it was? And for example, a prohibition like uh, the prohibition of alcohol, of drinking alcohol, did it? Did you know? Was the prohibition uh, uh, given at the same time as? Uh, the Qur'an was revealed, or was it after, or was it right away in one shot, or was it a gradual thing? So the seerah helps us to understand the context behind key rulings, as well as some things that may be, uh, that perhaps in our day and age, we have trouble understanding. Uh, perhaps uh, society has a certain view of something, or a, or a paradigm, and it doesn't, you know, the society around us doesn't understand a certain ruling in Islam. And studying the sirah can help us to contextualize and even explain why there are certain rulings uh, in the religion uh, and make it understandable to, to people who don't come from a Muslim uh, background or a cultural background. Uh, as well, what it, what it helps us do is it contextualizes you know, the sirah into our own lives. Okay, It helps us to locate our own selves and our problems and our worries and our challenges and our happinesses into the lives of the Sahaba, the Prophet Muhammad and his Sahaba, and see where you know where we can relate to that story, and see how that story relates to us uh, in our own sort of um, daily lives and 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 um, you know daily events that that unfold about us. Um, and of course, the last two things is that this study of the Sirah will help us to understand the sacrifice that our beloved Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam went through to get this message to us. What he went through and how he suffered, how he worked hard, and the way he held his head up through immense obstacles and challenges, the way he upheld a noble character in the face of severe criticism, uh, harsh torture, uh, opposition uh, that would have overcome anyone else. And so we understand his sacrifice for us, and it helps us to cope. Let's say uh, when we feel down, or it helps us to t- it tells us how to react when we feel that we're we're under you know uh, some pressure. And of course, the biggest thing is when we understand the sacrifice of the Prophet, peace be upon him, and his companions uh, in in answering the call to Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. It increases our love for the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. It increases our love for him because this is what is required from us as the second part of the shahada after ashhadu an la ilaha illallah we say ashhadu anna muhammad rasulullah and so if we if we bear witness that he is the messenger of allah and we say that we love allah then we must love the one who allah loved and that is the prophet muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam if we want to follow him properly and as well around the seerah, we talk about the lives of some of the key companions the the the, the better known companions رضي اللَّهُ anhum of the Prophet ﷺ. And so when we understand the life of the companions, we begin to respect them. And when we begin to respect them, we begin to love them. And when we begin to love them, we understand the way, you know, as being fallible human beings, we begin to understand how they struggled with certain things and how as, uh, you know, fallible human beings, although much better than us, how we can also learn from that example. Uh, and it also develops a respect for um, the teachings that came after, that they passed on, to the followers and the followers of the followers and eventually the imams and the scholars of, of the ummah. So that's for us, that's going to be our uh, the purposes and the goals about understanding this. And of course, uh, key lessons from the seerah is something that we're going to look at uh, almost like you can say the fiqh of uh, of the sirah, right? What can we pull out from this event that applies to us right now and today? How can we, you know, after we listen to this lesson, how can we you know, go outside and meet the world with a new uh, an improved uh, way of dealing with them or a new, me- a new and improved way of looking at things, a mentality to benefit us. So before we get into the historical events um, and we've looked at some of the immediate goals of this course, we have to understand the science of the seerah and how it developed and how it came about and what it means before we start speaking about historical biography. Because the more we understand the science the more we understand the difference between other subjects uh, in uh, amongst the islamic sciences so just to begin basically sirah comes from the root word in arabic saara yasiru sair which means to travel to journey to move forward okay a sair is a journey and so sirah comes from that meaning it's a life path okay so for example uh, when you want to say in arabic even today they call a resume, a sira dhatiyah. Okay, so if you want to know what does a resume tell us, it tells us what the person has done in their lifetime from the beginning of their education, after they finish that edu- education, what work experience do they have, also what are the, some of their interests, um, who are the people, some of the people that they know and they've interacted with. So that's a sira dhatiyah. It tells us about their life story or their life journey, right? That's a resume or, or a curriculum vitae. Um, and when somebody has, you know, when somebody leads a good life, A blameless life, you know, they're a good person. We say that they're hasanus sirah, okay. So they've had a beautiful life life path. And when somebody has been in trouble their whole lives, and they have they've been getting getting in trouble their whole lives, um, and they're of bad character and bad nature, and they've run into all sorts of problems, we say that person is kabihasira, okay. So that person is has led uh, a a blameworthy, uh, blameworthy life, and so taking sirah to mean in general as a word, a life journey or a life story, Islamically, in the Islamic sciences, whenever we say uh, uh, as the sirah, it unanimously refers to the life history, the behavior, and the habits of our beloved Prophet Muhammad sallam. And this also includes his personality, his inward traits, and his outward traits. Okay. Um, other uh, words for sirah that have been used in the past, what when one pop, very popular, like synonym, almost a synonym, more that was used for sirah, I should say, um, is maghazi al maghazi, and al maghazi is actually uh, talks about the campaigns, the military campaigns of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu and so gazay Ghaz, actually means uh, to intend or to go out to something, and so many authors in the past um, they pegged. Uh, like the, the events of the Sirah around certain major battles that determined the faith and the the, the fate and the survival and turning points in the history of Islam. So they, they decided to use the Maghazi or the the, the campaigns uh, of the Prophet Sallallahu as a way of uh, pegging an outline. Okay, as a way of relating to certain time periods. Uh, of course, there's other uh, there's other words as well uh, that denote aspects of the Sirah. For example, there are the Shama'id. When somebody says Shama'il, it means that the qualities, the good qualities, um, the beautiful attributes of the Prophet Muhammad, but the Shama'il do not include uh, histor- uh, sort of historical events all the time or events in sequence. As well as the Dala'il, Dala'il, right? Um, Imam al Bayhaqi wrote uh, a book called uh, that basically, uh, Dala'il could mean the indications, okay, or signs towards prophethood. So things that were indicating. Towards the miraculous nature or the divine divinely uh, supported nature of the mission of the prophet and his his being and personality and finally uh, there's also another very sort of specific topic within uh, sirah, and that's called the khasa'is. and that means the, the attributes of the prophet that were only found in him and not in anyone else in creation okay so those are some of the words that um, you also hear. Along with the seerah. so sira traditionally, when it was written, okay, it would include the past events before the birth of the Prophet ﷺ of the Arabs. So from the from the, the beginning of of Arab civilization in the Arab Peninsula, usually seerah begins from that time uh, because it leads right into it builds the it builds the the story and it sets the stage for the the blessed birth. Of the noble messenger, sallallahu wasallam, and then after the Mawlid Ash Sharif, the, the the birth of the prophet sallallahu wasallam, it goes then into the Meccan uh, and the Medinan periods. Okay, so before prophet, the prophet was commissioned with the message, uh, before the age of forty, after the age of forty, after his hijrah it includes all of that till till the passing of the prophet sallallahu uh, wasallam, and into the history of the righteous caliphate, the four righteous caliphs. Of Islam. And so it goes right into that period, uh, and it covers a wide expanse for us to understand what were the factors up to the the the, the sending of the prophet, peace be upon him, and what was the sort of um, aftermath of his passing, and how how did the community pick up after that event, and how did they carry forward in with you know following the best of examples. And um, as well, sometimes, seer, like sira can be the plural of which is seer, um can also be used to describe. Uh, the life path of ver- various ulama, various saints, various uh, pious people, poets, uh, and things like that. So for example, Imam al-Dhahabi has, a- has a book called uh, uh, "Sir A'lam al-Nubala, you know, the, the, life-, the life path of, uh, of the noble learned ones, for example. It talks about many different people and their siras. So the the Seerah is essentially a study of history. Now what is the relationship between um, the Seerah and the rest of Arab history? Okay, or recorded Arab history. Well, the Seerah itself was a point of departure. Okay, I should say the recording of the Seerah was a point of departure uh, after which the Arabs began to record history in general. So before that, history was not actually recorded um, on paper for the Arabs. It was uh, versified and sung in poetry. It was passed on through oral uh, tales from generation to generation. But otherwise, there was no corpus of literature amongst the Arabs that recorded their history. So after the concern for writing the seerah came about and that started, uh, it gave rise to the uh, writing history that occurred before the sending of the Prophet Muhammad in the pre islamic era known as the age of ignorance or jahiliya. So what the what the scholars noticed was that in order to we, they, they could explain and write the sirah from the birth of the Prophet Muhammad uh, or let's say from the descending the of the, the sending of the Prophet Muhammad but in order for a person who is uninitiated to understand the culture and understand the events leading up to that um, to that time period, they would need to, to explore and understand the pre-Islamic era. And so that made them, force them to look back before the birth of the Prophet ﷺ and look at their, their own history and record it for the first time and start to sift through events uh, which were authentic, which were not authentic in order to bring the reader or student to a correct understanding of, of why the world was ripe for the sending of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam, so we even see not just Arab history, but we also see um, writers of the seerah sometimes mentioning events in different parts of the world uh, that were occurring. Uh, for example, uh, specifically sometimes as well on the night of the birth of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Just so we understand a full a full picture. Um, after that, in terms of the evolution of the of, of the sirah what that what that led to what the recording of the seerah led to was a science, okay? A science that dictated and regulated how to narrate historical events. Because as soon as it became time to record seerah, there had to be standards in place. Okay, because before that, the seerah, uh, which, and we'll get into exactly, you know, who are the the major figures are, uh, but before uh, the seerah was written, it was passed from, you know, Parent to child, teacher to student, um, the the rulers of the time would would promote people speaking about the sirah and in the khutbahs and in in the the speeches, uh, and it was also recorded in part through the hadith, which slightly predated uh, the recording the recording of hadith, which slightly predated the recording of the sunnah. So when the sunnah when the sirah was to be recorded, it meant that uh, there had to be a science, and so the Muslims had to sort through a number of different sort of events that had been related and versions of events and so in order to protect the prophetic sunnah from corruption okay they had to create a science with rules and measures on how to verify which part of those accounts were authentic and keep them uh, to be included in the sirah and of course the reason why the sirah is being preserved Actually, it's interesting because it all leads back to sort of the, the, the greater purpose, which is preserving the seerah helped them to contextualize the hadith and the sunnah, to understand the example that we are to follow. And the example and the sunnah of the Prophet Muhammad was understood and taught and preserved in order to understand the message of the Qur'an from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So it all went back to preserving the deen and ultimately understanding and explaining the Qur'an. Um, and its and its rulings and the context behind it. So, after the science of recording the seerah uh, and gathering the information of the seerah and and, 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 and uh, writing it down for, and preserving it, after the seerah, after the science was established, it was able to distinguish between historical facts and fabrications. Okay? Historical facts and uh, skews in the story, stretches of the truth, things that had crept into it. So, the seerah was always kept as pure as possible and as accurate historically uh, as possible, uh, as well as as objective as possible and as impartial as possible. So if we just want to quickly distinguish between a few terms because we've been throwing them around. Um, okay, history, first of all, is something, like as we said, in the Arab civilization, it came out of the recording of the seerah. Okay, recording of history came out of recording the sirah. But history itself focuses on a time period or it focuses on an empire whereas the individuals who lived in that time period come second. Usually history records general events that are happening in a time period or a place or uh, a certain empire. Uh, and they don't look at specific lives of people and the details of those lives. Um, and, but in Sira, what happened? The, the, a person becomes the focus and their, their life story, the events... And also, their their inner sort of uh, development becomes something of focus in sirah. And everything around that person, like let's say the time period or the rulers or uh, uh, the major events, they become secondary. And the point of do- mentioning those events is just to understand the life of the person of uh, in, uh, who's being spoken about in the seerah. As well, sirah we translate it as prophetic biography. Okay, but... A pure biography, the difference between a sirah uh, in the way that we use it and in, in an Islamic uh, scientific sense, and just p- biography the way that we know it today, is that um, biography is usually used for uh, speaking about uh, good people and bad people and good things about the people and bad things about people, okay putting people down or putting praising people, uh, casting them in a bad or good light. Uh, however, sirah, is used in the, in the in the Islamic sciences to speak about um, uh, someone who is praiseworthy someone who's exemplary and the purpose of studying the sirah is to highlight the positive example that they gave and to cause ultimately to cause the reader to have love and respect for the subject of the sirah so it's not made as an exposé like how you see the biographies the best selling biographies they expose certain things or reveal secrets about people or criticize certain aspects of them. Rather, the seerah is made uh, to promote uh, good examples of, of human beings and promote their love and respect. Uh, and so many of the ulama as well have, have had uh, you know their seerahs written. Um, this, now the hadith is something that our hadith are reports of like technically defined. A hadith is a report of a saying an action, or an approval of the Prophet, peace be upon him. Okay, now hadith are not ordered time-wise. So if you look at Bukhari, it's not in chronological order. Uh, you know, it's not it's not ordered according to when each hadith occurred or was said. Rather, there they are ordered to different according to different uh, standards, which you can learn about in the sciences of hadith, and as well in hadith, pure hadith. Which is just the narration itself. Historical context is rarely given. Okay. Um, connections between various hadith are not made. Okay. So the, it's up to the reader now to string it together. And this is why the ulama have written commentaries on the hadith. So hadith are disparate reports that give us uh, some benefit, some fa'idah, uh, in order to understand, um, Islamic, Islamic law, say, for example, and other things. Hadith also, we take rulings out of hadith. Ahkam, we take uh, virtues out of the hadith fada'il, We take uh, you know points of belief out of uh, out of hadith in terms of you know how to uh, emphasize uh, certain uh, beliefs that Muslims should have, and um, the the conditions of accepting hadith in order to act on them for rulings are quite stringent. Okay, now the difference is sirah. It is a narrative. Sirah is a flowing chronological life story okay that takes sometimes it includes hadith sometimes sometimes it is supported by hadith to shed light on a certain issue but it is a it is a narrative that is occurring on behalf of the right the writer of the of the sirah okay um, the person who is writing the sirah and it's not necessary that we uh, necess- like we hold the sirah up to as rigorous of a standard. As hadith of, of ahkam, the hadith of rulings. Because the point of seerah is not to take out l- l- points of fiqh or, or, or Islamic sacred law. So you don't look at the seerah and start to understand, like, start to pick out legal points. Rather, we take fada'il uh, from the seerah, okay, so virtues, and we take examples and lessons. Um, Although the ulama have, for example, developed a separate science, which we can kind of briefly mention later, on how to take the fiqh out of the seerah. But that fiqh is not sort of um, particular rulings on how to, let's say, pray or how to fast. Rather, they are overarching principles that govern and breathe life into the way that we implement the Islamic sacred law. It's a big misunderstanding as well uh, among some um, people that the sirah is is because the conditions, because they're not taking fiqh out of it, and it didn't have to be as rigorous, that it is inauthentic, or not as accurate as the hadith are, and that's not true, um, because the science of recording the sirah, as we'll talk about a little bit later, follows the same rules. And regulations as the sciences of hadith. The only difference is we don't make a hukum or make a, a, a legal ruling off of reading the sirah. But like I said again, the seerah is so important because it helps us contextualize hadith and helps us to order um, many of the events and sayings and verses um, that we that we benefit from in Islamic law. So, how did sirah begin to develop? Okay, how did it become the science that we know today? Okay, so as we said before, the Seerah was always existent amongst the the Muslims from the time of the Sahaba. They studied and passed on the sirah because they were still living. The, many of the, 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 the Sahaba obviously experienced and lived through the sirah, and so they passed that to their children and their and their students and their followers and the people who became Muslim in the lands that they that they entered. But in the time of the Sahaba and the, the followers and the followers of the followers only the Qur'an was preserved okay and written down uh, because there was a concern coming from the time of the Prophet Muhammad Wasallam that if there was any other piece of writing written down that it would be confused with Qur'an and so in order to establish the preservation of the Qur'an only the Qur'an at that time was written down and recorded and other events were passed on orally but Still, with a level of rigor and uh, and exactness. Now, the Sunnah was ordered to be preserved, or the Hadith. When we say Sunnah, we many times we mean Hadith, but we mean reports about the Sunnah. The Sunnah was ordered to be preserved and recorded much later than than uh, than the after the death of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. And when they began to be recorded, a stringent science was set up to verify exactly which person heard the hadith from the Prophet wasallam, and who heard it from them and so on in a chain called an isnad. And uh, the lives of those people, the seerahs of those people who are narrating the hadith was scrutinized and studied to make sure that the, the report that was coming down was as authentic as possible. And in that, shortly after that, there was a need now, to Understand the entire life of the Prophet, not just simply different reports uh, that people had to piece together. And so, recording the recording the sunnah or passing on the words, the actions, the experiences of the Prophet was not something that was new, it was actually something that the Prophet had indicated towards and commanded in his lifetime. Except just the only difference was not to record it on paper, but to pass it on. So, even in his last, uh, the final, uh, the, the farewell hajj. Right? He instructed that that person who has not heard what I'm saying, let him pass it on. Sorry, that person who has heard what I'm saying, uh, let him or her pass it on to someone who has not heard it. Okay, he also said, بَلِّغُ Aya, Relate from me. Relate information from me. Even if it's just one verse. So that entails uh, all of the rest of the things that he taught and went through. The writing of the prophetic biography... Okay while it was secondary to the writing of hadith itself within a short time of the inception of the recording of hadith um the need to record sirah was also felt and so the first uh, individuals who concerned themselves with writing uh, and recording the sirah uh was urwa ibn zubair okay who was born uh, in the year 92 of hijra so this was um 81 years after the death of the Prophet. ﷺ. And uh, Urwa ibn al Zubayr uh, was a, a son of Az Zubayr, the Sahaba. So he had heard first hand accounts uh, of what his father went through. And al Zubayr, Zubayr ibn al uh, Awam, was one of the Ten Promised Paradise and a very early companion who saw most of the events. Of the life of the Prophet. So he had a first hand account of many of the things that happened. As well, another son of the Sahaba, Aban uh, ibn Uthman, so the son of Uthman ibn Affan, his son also was concerned with writing and recording the seerah. And then there came uh, people from uh, scholars from amongst the later, uh, later generations, just after them, such as uh, Wahab ibn Munabbih, who died in the year 110. Hijra, uh, Sharhbi ibn Saad, uh, and for example, the great, uh, the great uh, recorder of hadith, and narrator of hadith, Az-Zuhri, okay, Ibn Shihab al zuhri uh, uh, who died in 124 Hijri. So this is all occurring within within the the century after the death of the Prophet ﷺ. Uh, things are starting to get recorded about Sirah. Okay. Now, while their writings are not available to, available today, so their writings and what they recorded have not made it to our time and so we don't know how what exactly they wrote but their writings set the stage for other scholars who came slightly after to record as well and the benefit was that the later writers who came just a very short time after were able to compile from various sahaba and use the hadith narrations in order to collate different accounts uh, different accounts and views of the sirah, uh which were authentic and so the the, 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 te- the writings and the teachings of these uh, tabi'in these followers actually was passed down through later scholars and preserved so when these this this generation that succeeded the followers and the followers of the followers uh, the the shaykh of sirah came about okay and the shaykh of sirah is uh, ibn ishaq who's re- regarded who wrote the his sirah he called it al-maghazi Right, the the campaigns as we mentioned before, Malghazi was one of the words, and he and that word became popular in reference to the Sirah as a title uh, for the works of Sirah. And so Ibn Ishaq who died in one hundred and fifty two uh, of the hijrah, he was the first person who uh, wrote who collated all the different accounts of Sirah and compiled it into one book, into one work, and it was the most reliable book up until that time. Okay, that looked at many different accounts of the Sira, uh, on uh, and he became the standard, he became the standard for which all others were sort of inspired to write sirah. And although, again, his work uh, did not actually uh, make it down the ages and reach us today, so we don't have a copy of his work, although there's said to be, uh, you know, a piece of the manuscript of, of one of his works in some library in Germany, but it's not a, you know, there's no co- collection that has come down to us reliably. And so uh, one of the scholars that, that took from him, that took most of the uh, many many things from his work and included it in his own and refined it and condensed it was Ibn Hisham. Okay? Ibn Hisham died uh, in 213 uh, after, after uh, of the Hijrah or 218 as some scholars say. And so this, uh, his work called uh, Sirat Ibn Hisham is the most popular Sirat today. Okay, it is found in the homes of many Muslim families in the Muslim world. Okay, uh, it's been translated as well uh, in, into different languages. And it is the most reliable and earliest work uh, of Sirah uh, that we know today. Uh, and it took mainly from, from Ibn Hishaq and refi- refined that work. Uh, in the next uh, portion of this lesson, we are going to, go into, we're going to go into the sources of pro- prophetic biography, okay? So what are some of the primary sources that we can take from? Uh, the approach to the Seerah, uh, as well as the way that Seerah developed uh, in, in modern times and the way it's, it took a turn and now has sort of come back. Uh, so uh, stay with us. as Thank you for listening. This lesson was brought to you by Seeker's Guidance, the world's first truly global Islamic seminary. Visit seekersguidance.org to access reliable Islamic knowledge taught by qualified teachers. We offer a wide range of courses, podcasts, articles, and a world-class answer service, all completely free of charge. This is made possible solely by supporters like you. Be a partner in this blessed work by making a small donation at seekersguidance.org. donate Even $10 a month can go a long way. Our beloved prophet, peace and blessings be upon him, said, whoever guides someone to goodness will have a similar reward. So don't forget to share this lesson and join us in spreading prophetic guidance.